Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker Betting Show. I'm your host, George Ellick, and this is an Irish Derby preview. I'm joined by two expert guests. As ever, it's Odds Checker's very own tipster, Andy Holding. And making his debut, it is at the races, tipster Tony Keenan. Tony, I'll come to you first. Always the way on this podcast, on this show, when we get a new expert guest on that they get a bit of time to introduce themselves tell us about how they got into the game what the tipping strategy is and other bits and bobs so let us know a little bit about yourself yeah well um don't really have any background in racing would have had a few uh, terrible punters in my family my grandmother a couple of uncles who are absolutely awful judges i don't know what that the uh, starting <laughs> point for it or uh, something not to follow and things like that but I suppose uh, in my 20s i kind of got into into the into following racing a bit around the time of i don't know footsteps in the sands guineas hawkwing galileo high chaparral that type of uh, generation um i've always i've studied english in college i'm actually a teacher still um this is kind of like a hobby second job for me um i've always liked enjoying doing a bit of writing and a bit of punting and i've been with atr now for about two and a half years uh, my tipping process i suppose i'm kind of a, a jack of all trades definitely a master and all and try to use lots of different things whether it be times or replays trainer angles stats form book whatever like um i don't think i i don't think i've one specific angle about, about this. but yeah generally my focus is on the better irish racing um that's kind of what suits me uh, i think anyway and really looking forward to this weekend it looks about tomorrow looks a smashing card actually be irish derby standards the field size of really held up and it's going to be the first time i think since last march there's actually going to be some race scores at the track tomorrow mm. so which is great yeah, absolutely. It is great. And you see how good at the, the decent Irish stuff. It doesn't get much bigger than the Dubai duty-free Irish derby on Saturday. Uh, you mentioned there having some some terrible punters in your family, some bad judges. Andy, I remember when I, we came and filmed your day in the life, you mentioned that maybe uh, you had a similar learning from, from your old man as well. So maybe that's what you need to be a good judge. You just need to know a bad judge. <laughs> yeah, um, a lot of people who know my dad would know him uh, sort of like round the Midland circuit as being um, sort of betting shop fodder. He, he was, he was, <laughs> he, uh, he was, he was your archetypal sort of uh, race to race punter that just literally had to have a bet on everything. Um, would it be a virtual race, greyhound race? And sometimes when I used to accompany my dad in the betting shop, I used to look at him and think, dad, what on earth are you doing? You've got to be more selective. You've just got to treat, you know, and he used to look at me and think, why am I only having one bet a day and I'm just sitting here watching the rest of it? But that's that's my, been my process through my life. And I kind of um, learned um, how not to make as many mistakes as my dad, I suppose. I think I think that's what we all try and do in this game. We all try and back the winners. But it's cutting out the, the losers, I think, which is more just as important in the long term. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I learned from the master, as it were, with regards how not to bet. <laughs> and I like to think, I've, I like to think I've, I've made a slightly better fist of it than my old man. Some buzz though when you bat the winner in the uh, in the virtual dogs. Though, I've got to say, oh. um, although we do not condone that behaviour in no. any way, shape, or form. I should mention as well. We're recording this at about quarter past ten on Friday morning, so the day before the racing. But as is often the case, uh, some of the races on Saturday aren't priced up yet. Um, I'm sure they will be in a few hours' time. But for that reason, instead of going through the card chronologically, we're going to kick off with the three group races on the card. We've got the uh, Railway Stakes, uh, the Group 2 at 3.05, then the Derby itself at 3.45, and then the uh, ARM Holding International Stakes at 4.20, the Group 3. So we're going to go through those three first, which have prices up. 
I'm crossing my fingers and toes that whilst we're recording, possibly the two listed races will, will be priced up as well. But if not, then both Andy and Tony have studied the form anyway and can give you some horses just to put a circle around uh, ahead of the racing. Uh, before we get into the first race we're going to preview, which is that railway stakes, the Group 2, um, Tony, just going to come to you. You know, you, you mentioned there that you know the, the good Irish stuff is your is your bread and butter. Talk to those people who may be listening to this or watching this who mainly bet over uh, in kind of mainly British uh, racing. The, what you look for at the Curra, you know, at the Curra as a race course, what kind of a a horse are you looking forward to really perform there? Um, are there any racing tactics that you think are better employed there? Um, just give us a bit of an outline of, of the course itself. Uh, basically two tracks at the Cora and you have a round track and a straight track. I think the straight track is a very fair track, um, bar you've got a draw bias. Uh, sometimes, uh, I think they've done the best in the gate that in recent years, by setting the sprint stalls up the centre of the track. Um, I think it's a really, it can be a really testing track over a mile. Uh, you, you don't want a short runner there. Round track's a different story. Round track, can, racing can get very messy there. Horses can get hung wide. Straight isn't all that long. Um, Take to say the Derby, for instance, the high definition is drawn quite wide. That that that's not ideal around there. Um, caught wide for a long way. We saw in the Irish Derby two years ago when Sovereign won it, he got loose on the lead, and they, sometimes they don't they don't always come back. And that list of race tomorrow, the 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 on the on the mile track, it's quite unusual. I think the the celebration stakes. It, it's on the round mile. They basically run about two or three races a year on that. That's almost like a seven four long race because the early part of it's down downhill. And again, getting drawn wide there can be can be really tricky. So, yeah, I, I tend to think the straight track races are a little bit, um, you know, tend to be maybe a little bit fairer than the round track. Means a prominent pitch on the round track can be helpful. Interesting stuff. Well, we'll get into the first race that we're going to preview, uh, which is the 305. Before we do so, just going to point you in the direction of the Odds Checker app. Do download it now for the best prices, place terms, bookie offers, free bets, and some of the best tipsters in the game, including Andy himself, whose column you can find every morning's racing for the first uh, the first place you'll find it is on the Odds Checker app. Now, the 305, uh, six furlong, group two, uh, and Dr. Zempf is the five to two favourite uh, just paddies and betfair sports pick out their prices at the moment castle star 11 to 4 go bears go 9 to 2 cadamosto 5 to 1 duke box 9 to 1 Maceto 10 to 1 the acropolis uh, 16s pinar de rio 16s 25 to 1 bar and you've got a couple there um towards the top of the market in go bears go and cadamosto who've maybe had quite uh you know a bit of a blow at Ascot fairly recently uh, how much does that come into your consideration when it comes to to looking at this well being a time figure man um it's certainly bolstered their uh, credibility with regards numbers because going into all Ascot you know there's a there's a good chance that you probably wouldn't have been able to run to a standard um that you're likely to when you go to the run meeting and come out of that because most of the two-year-old races that we got were, were very strongly run and that they were they were good numbers. Um, Kadamoster certainly enhanced his credibility with a, a cracking run uh, when he finished fourth uh, in his race um, behind uh, the horse of Richard Farr. He's, he was drawn on the far side. As it turned out, he was slightly worse off. Only margin. I think that was one of the races where both sides kind of like almost dead heated. Um, he's a nice horse, Kadamoster. He, he impressed at Dundalk. I think the prob- I think. If anything, he's, I don't know if Tony agrees with this, but he'd had a, a, a quite a, a way, a time off. I think he'd, he'd won at, 
uh, Dundalk Maiden, maybe been in March or April. I can't quite April, remember yeah. now. Yeah, um, and that sort of layoff might have just been um, a little bit of an issue for him going into into the Royal Meeting. Um, I don't I don't know that, but that that was my impression. I kind of went off him a little bit because he'd had such a long layoff. Um, but he yeah he ran really well, but. I think all of these two roles here, including the ones with plenty of experience, are going to be up a very, up against a very smart colt in the shape of Dr. Zemph. Mm. Um, he clocked a number when he won on debut at the Curra. Um, it was on the day when Port, Port, Port Lonsdale won the first race. There, there was two very good smart two-year-old races, and Dr. Zemph won the second one, and he beat a filly called Elliptic, who had gone into that race off the back of a good victory at Tipperary, beating... A quick Susie of all horses. Uh, we didn't realise how good that race was at the time, but um, it, it's proved to be one of the best Phillies races regards form for the rest of the season. And um, Dr. Zempaida looked very second rate. I mean, I thought Elliptic ran really well on ground that she wouldn't have liked at Royal Ascot, so I think you can take that as a positive. And it was just the manner in which he did it. He cruised in behind the speed. He had a push-button acceleration. I thought he won with a ton in hand. But more importantly, his time figure was very good. It was the same time figure, exactly the same. We awarded his his race as uh, Port Lonsdale. We thought Port Lonsdale was a good thing in the Chesham, um, off the back of his time and his sectionals, which he, which he did at the Curra that day. And Dr. Zev, I thought, won even more easily. And, and uh, he's of a similar ilk. He's drawn a stall too. Tony's already mentioned the draw. That that would be my only slight bugbear with him. Um that they, they they're probably the stalls will be down the middle and they're more than likely to go down the middle a bit in a two or race. There's not quite enough runners for them to get over and across, maybe, with with just the fourteen going to post. Providing the draw isn't it isn't a issue, I think he's by far and away the best horse in this field. And I think it's very interesting that Joe Lyons resisted the temptation to go to the Coventry and wait specifically for the railway. It's a t- tactic that Joe often employs. That He very rarely brings one over to the UK. He only really, if he thinks he's got a like a, a almost a certainty in a certain race that he brings something over, he tends to stay on home soil. Um, so he, he'd be my bet in the race. Um, healthy respect for Cadamosto, Castle Star, and, and Masato, of course, uh, time with, um, you know, core of course, in <clears> distance <throat> form. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think Dr. Zem could be just to cut above the lot. Yeah, as I said, we're recording this on Friday morning. Paddy's and, and Betfair start the neck out prices yesterday afternoon. Opened up uh, for Dr. Zemp at four to one in now to five to two very quickly before another firm's even opened. So interesting to see a couple of others when doing their tissue might have similar thoughts. So keep an eye out for some bigger prices that could come out bigger than five to two. But Dr. Zemp, the one for Andy uh, at the top of the market. Tony, do you agree? Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. Um, don't think you're getting any sweets at the price, but the market cycle is a good way to go yet. It's very unusual, real mistakes. This 14 runners. I, I was looking back historically at this. There hasn't been a double figure field. I was using a database back in 1997. It's usually a five, six runner affair. So, you know, a big feed. I think that will actually suit Dr. Sanford, provided he gets some um, luck and running. Um, I thought it came down kind of to the big four the two that ran at Ascot, plus Castle Star, plus Dr. Sanford. I would agree with Andy that. There's a strong possibility Cadamosto needed the run. I think he'd like four missed targets in between um, the initials and Dark Win and uh, going to Ascot. He looked a bit rusty. He came off quite early at Ascot before finishing it out quite well. Uh, go Bears, go. They obviously seem to think this is a pure two-year-old because they've, they've supplemented him into this race and they want to kind of strike while the, the iron is hot. He's also a, sort of a quite an expensive breeze-off horse as well. I just wondered, had he maybe a little bit much too much speed for the 6-4 long? He looked 
get quick task got um kind of set it up for something. Would give Castle Star a mention who's kind of in the, the star two year old in Ireland in terms of winning the winning the Marble Hill and things like that. He was a bit disappointed and found it hard to win his first couple of starts, but I think they only just figured out how to ride him in in, in the last couple of wins, just drop him out and, and come with a late run. Um so I wouldn't rule him out. He might want a little bit more rain. I see they've had another five mils overnight um bring it back to good and they're still projecting a few showers more to come so yeah i, I would lean doctors after I'd, I'd be hoping for a little a little bit of a drift um with castle star obviously in big danger but again i think that's quite obvious in the market at the minute anyway so doctors empathy stand out bet for andy and i think tony pretty much agreeing with his thoughts of him being the the likely winner over the railway stakes uh the 305 at the curra on saturday uh, we'll move on to the big one now the irish derby where high definition is the 15 to 8 favourite. That's with Hills and Bet Victor. Mojo Star, the perennial bridesmaid, 5 to 1. Hurricane Lane, 11 to 2. Max Swinney, 8 to 1. Lone Eagle, 8 to 1. Van Gogh, 14s. Earlswood, 16s. Wordsworth, 20s. 25 to 1 bar. And Andy, when I texted you earlier this week, I said, Are you up for a uh, Irish Derby preview later on in the week? You replied saying, Yeah, shouldn't take long. High definition should be odds on and we'll win. Well, here we are, Friday morning, 15 to 8, the good thing. Tony's mentioned that there could be a bit of a jaw concern here, but how are you feeling about High Definition's chances going into the race? Yeah, pretty pretty clear-cut still, as far as I'm concerned. Um, the draw is a slight issue, but I think this field will get splintered early on because, as we well know, Aidan uh, O'Brien, it looks like he's running a couple of foot soldiers in this race, Arturio Toscanini maybe, and Matchless. I think with the greatest respect to those two, not as though we're going to get another sovereign here again, but I, I, I think they're in there perhaps to force a healthy pace. You've also got to obviously Wordsworth as well if the, if the tempo is on the slack side. And I think sort of like that, like I said, they'll get spread out quite early. So hopefully um, Ryan Moore will be able to slot in somewhere on high definition. And don't forget this fella came from an impossible position seemingly to win the Beresford here uh, as a two-year-old. I mean, only a very, very high-class horse such as him could have made that kind of ground up that day and beat a a field as he did in the manner that he did. Um, York was just a kind of uh, almost just to test the water, really, with, with regards, you know, wh- whether he was going to go to the derby. And I think, I think if that had they have won the the, uh, the Dante, they, they, their hand would have been forced. Uh, but he, he he shaped and he ran like a horse that, um, you know, had got a real bright future ahead of him. Um, he did all his best work at the end. In what looked a good Dante, and, and obviously the, the the Dante form stood stood the test to a certain degree in the Derby with with Hurricane Lane running an honourable third. I just think this track will really suit him. He's already you know proven himself around the track twice. Um, uh, yeah, I I I'm finding it finding it hard really to to find any reason why I I, I won't be backing this horse at, at fifteen or eight. Like I say on 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 potential alone, on, on what on what I think he's going to be capable of further down the line. I think he should be a little bit shorter. Um, or you could make a case for him being shorter. I think the each way bet or the each way alternative now I've seen the whole field and I didn't realise at the time when I texted you that Mojo Star was going to be a runner. Mm-hmm. Um, he definitely comes into the equation. I, I think he'll beat Hurricane Lane again. I think he'll confirm the derby form. As far as my eyes can see, he was going further away from Hurricane Lane in the latter stages of the derby. Don't forget that was only his third career start, whereas Hurricane Lane had already been proven in group group company. He's run behind Manobo at Newbury, was good on the time figures, and Manobo's proven that that form um, was um, uh, more than respectable. I actually had a few quid on Mojo Star uh, at a big price in the Derby myself, so 
You, you yeah. and I both, Andy. I don't think anything sums up my last couple of months punting, though, that I managed to back. I was told an absolutely good thing on second start. Managed to come second and come second in the derby. Get it beat on, in, uh, as you say, behind Manobo. But, um, but yeah, I mean, what, 250 to one? Was there a bit of that around? Oh, uh, yeah, I only got 125. Uh, uh, I say only. It was still, still a decent price. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought, I thought he ran a smashing race in the derby. Went through the race like a good horse and stayed the trip really well. He's got a nice draw um, on Sunday, on Saturday, and, and you know the ground should be ideal for him. And I think he'll stay really well. Um, I think five to one for him. If I didn't have a he- such a healthy respect for how definition would definitely be my idea as a, of a conqueror each way bet. But um, yeah, that, that's the way I'm probably going to play. Whether well, I split mistakes and just have a little save on Mojo Star, I don't know. But um, yeah, high definition for me. High definition, fifteen to eight. As I say, with Hills and Bet Victor, Mojo Star, pretty much five to one across the board. Skybet sticking out there next in the moment with four places, but I'm pretty sure come tomorrow there'll be a few others there as well. So it might be worth just holding fire if you are going to back Mojo Star each way. Uh, Tony, how are you seeing the derby going? Yeah, not a race again. I have a massively strong opinion on um, uh, high definition. I suppose you're playing the man a little bit if, if you're fancying him. Uh, that makes total sense. Aidan O'Brien, we've seen this, you know, this idea of using the prep run. Japan was the one that took the massive leap from the Dante to Epsom that year. And judging on the vibes, uh, he'd a uh, bad blood count before uh, uh, York. High definition just seems like a horse is going to take a jump. But agree completely with Andy what he's saying there. But talking about the round mile earlier, high definition. Uh, was a rare horse to come from off the pace there when winning the barrage for, for a potential derby horse, potential legend horse to be doing that. Took some doing, and he was beating good horses there. I was a little bit negative on Mojo Star. Um, Richard Hannon as a trainer in you know middle distance group ones. Just I think he's won from twenty one in in group one races over twelve foot four longs. The one to win was Pedder's Moon in a, in a four-runner coronation club. I, I don't know. I, I think I'd be back in Aidan O'Brien maybe in, in a race like this. Um, what I got there was the ground's not going to come from McSwinney, Hurricane Lane. I was interested in, in Andy's view on what was the time figure saying, Andy, about the Epsom race? Um, like Adiar has beaten, I think, Mojo before Lens and Hurricane Lane, the guts of eight Lens. I think he'd nearly need to be a superstar for, for these two to be maybe competitive here what did you reckon on that yeah the derby was was the strongest three-year-old uh, middle distance race we've got so far this season on the figures that the quickest one we've got is poetic flair won the st james's palaces and we, we awarded that race 103 but we gave mm. the derby 100 which is okay. pretty pretty good i mean there was no holding back in the derby there was no hiding place if your stamina was um you know, suspect you you got found out, and I think that's why there was long distances between the first three or four. Mm. Um, to my eyes, Hurricane Lane just didn't quite get home. Max Swinney definitely didn't get home. I thought he was he was he was a beaten horse two furlongs out. So it's hard to see Max Swinney or Hurricane Lane really reversing the form with Mojo Star, even though their reputations are higher and they got better form. Um, you know, going into it to Epsom, I, I still think Mojo Star is. He's going along the right lines. I think there's more to come with him where the other two have kind of, once I peaked and plateaued, I, I, I don't want to be disrespectful for those, but I, I do think Mojo Star's capable of another big effort or two. Yeah, well, I suppose the thing with him is he had only had the three starts, and that, that, that whereas McSwinney's on the go from quite early on in the, in, in a two-year-old season, and Hurricane Lane a bit less so, but, but has had the few runs. I suppose if the rains did come, which seems quite unlikely, I could see Earls would run a little bit of a race. I thought he was really good, strong at the line now in the Gallinol, um 
Uh, and it looks like the extra couple of forums would suit him. But yeah, I, I would lean towards high definition. 15 to 7 to 4 it seems perfectly fair to Metin on the trainer, who obviously excels in the race and at the meeting generally. High definition, getting a yeah ton of respect from both Andy and Tony there. Uh, Mojo Star, the one possibly to uh, to chase him down, uh, certainly according to Andy. Uh, we'll get on then to the ARM Holding International Stakes, the 420, uh, where Cadillac is a 3-1 to one favourite ahead of True Self at 7-2. to two. Njord, 6-1, to one. Thunder Kiss, 9-1, to one. Dawn Patrol and Ontario both 11-1, to 12-1 to one bar. Uh, 12 run as it stands at the moment. Tony, we'll give you first run here. Yeah, um was inclined to oppose Cadillac here, uh, £5 penalty on his first start of the year. I presume things haven't gone smoothly when he's only coming out now. Um, he would have had the Guineas and the St James's Palace and all those races as a target. So um, that's a little bit of worry. He, he's one who'd probably want the ground to, to soften up a little bit. Um, I thought True Self should have been the favourite. I thought she was quite unlucky, actually, in, in the Tattersall's Gold Cup when she was coming off a break. Um, Holly Dial, I think, was looking for a run up the inner, turning in, and she kind of backed out of it a little bit, pulled wide. Um, and then sort of made up plenty of late inroads on Helvick Dream and Broom. I had worried a little bit, what, how is that form going to work out? But Broom backed it up totally in, in Hardwick. Um, I suppose you question maybe the true self want a little bit further than this, but then she's after winning out in, in Saudi Arabia the race before that um, on firm ground, and she's come from a bit back over 10 there. And that horse that, that she's beaten there, the American horse, I know he's quite a, an old experienced horse channel maker, but he was taught in a, in, in a British Cup turf. Um, to Tanawa and, and, and Magical ahead of it. So obviously not a bad horse. I'm just wondering if True Self has improved. Um, and if she has, which the last two starts suggest to me that, that she has done, she very much looks um, the one to beat here. I actually thought it was very surprising Willie Mullins missed the trick here. He didn't have her entered in the Pretty Polly Stakes on Sunday, which is the group one. Um, I don't know what happened there, but yeah, I think I definitely think that True Self should be the fav. The one at a price there that I think could run a little bit better, official ratings would give her absolutely um, no chance, is Zawara. It's going to be damn it well. I think she's a little bit better than she's uh, than her official marks is, but she won quite nicely at Gore on the last day. Um, over, at, I'd say, a trip that is a little bit short for nine and a half on a turn and track around there on. on Really goodish ground. Thought Dylan Brown give her a lovely raid. You know, kicked her on good and early. But she may have a little bit more to give. Um, you know, at a more conventional gallop and track up a half following in trip, which would probably be a more truly run race. So they'd be made two against the field. Zavara twelve to one best price as it stands at the moment. True self should be five according to Tony. Currently seven to two second favourite with Cadillac at the top of the market. Andy, what do you make of this? I'd have to I'd have to agree, Tony, wholeheartedly with with his um, price structure um, with regards True Self and and Cadillac. Um, I think Cadillac's priced up on, on a little bit of reputation there in many respects. Obviously, you know, taking part in some of those good group ones as, as a two year old, we've got to take it on trust that he's fit enough to do himself justice after two hundred and thirty two day live. Now, look, this is a Group Three on Irish Derby Day, so you'd like to think that Jessica's got this all somewhere near where she would like him, but you know, you, you can't account for match practice and it, it, you can do all the work you, you can at home, but it's uh, nothing beats actual experience and, and um, the actual um, when your blood's pumping in a race. So I, I'd, I'd give that advantage over to True Self as well. And I think her form, as Tony mentioned in the Tattersalls, is easily the best coming in here this season so far as proven form. Um, 
you know, Broom has upheld the form. Helvick Dream, I've got a huge amount of time for him. I actually put him up that day when he when he defeated the Fav. Um, I think Noel Mead's horse is a very good horse when the ground's soft. And it might not necessarily be totally ideal for True Self. Uh, I think she's just a, a, a horse that wants nice ground, um, which you'll get on Saturday. Um, so I think she's probably the one to beat based on that run um, a, a month ago. I've, I also quite like Thunder Kiss as well. I, I think she's a very consistent um, um, uh, filly. And, and um, her victory last time out at Cork, I think is um, also a step in the right direction. Her form this season has been very good. She um, finished second to uh, one of Willie McCreary's at um, Nace the time before. Um, Willow, who I think was third that day, finally, finally got off the mark um, the other night at Nice, much to my disgruntlement, um, <laughs> having, backed her to, having backed her to win a small house to win the Oaks. I, I was about two or three runs behind time there. Um, but she beat, she beat a, a horse called um, Silence Please, who uh, Jessica Harrington holds in very high regard at Cork. Um, and I like the way she stayed on. I like the fact that she's won over a mile and a half. She's got good tactical speed for a mile and a quarter. The draws are the, the bugbear, still 12. We, we, we are banging on about the draw on the round track not being ideal, but that's not the draw that you would pick if uh, sort of the draw came out of the ballot and then you had a chance to, to um, pick it, as it were. Um, but, yeah, I, I think she was probably the one that was overpriced, looking at the prices in front of me, 9-1 to one at the moment. I had a probably about a 5-6-1. Yeah, to one. One. <clears throat> yeah, I'd probably have her in half, half of that odds, 5-6-1, to one, something like that. Um, Neord's very much dependent on soft ground. He's not going to get that. Um, Raise you probably won't get the trip. Um, and I thought Dawn Patrol looks, to all intents and purposes, to my eyes anyway, looks as though it's going to be Joseph O'Brien's um, Melbourne Cup project this season, having raced exclusively for Aiden O'Brien last year over, mile, over, over two miles, um, running the St. Ledger, of course, beyond Galileo Chrome. Uh, <laughs> the fact that it's starting off over a mile and a quarter suggest to me that that's having a, just a prep run and um, to blow away the cobwebs and then the rest of the mm-hmm. season sort of take care of, takes care of itself. So, yeah, very interesting race. Um, true self, very, very solid pick down the front end, but Thunder Kiss each way would be my idea of the value in the race. True self, 7-2, Thunder Kiss, 9-1, both with William Hill at the moment. Uh, those are the three races, the three group races on the card. Um, we're going to quickly rattle through uh, the others on the day. No prices as it stands. So this is going to be more of a case of Andy and Tony telling us who they think the the likely winners will be, who they're going to be keeping an eye on when the prices do come out, rather than searching for value. And the first race is the Dash, uh, the listed race, the two o'clock. And as I say, no prices here, Andy. So I'm not going to run through the card or anything. You just take us away with who you think uh, could have a have a chance. Or if, if there's nobody at this stage, then just say so and move on. Yeah, I, I quite like the, the look of the first race. Um, I'm a big fan of um, Romantic Proposal. Uh, I thought she ran a super race in the Ballyogan Stakes last time. It was a race that Sonela really had it to lose and she she uh, finally got what she deserved, um, having been a little bit of a, a bridesmaid on, on a couple of occasions. And, and I thought Sonela ran really well at Royal Ascot. Um, she missed the break got a long way back and then ran on to finish just three lengths beyond Dream of Dream. So, you know, we're dealing with a, a group two, group, group one horse there in Sonela. And I thought Romantic Proposal for large majorities of that Ballyogan um, stakes, she she looked the best filly. Um, she just had to switch and and from her draw and challenge down the middle of the track, whereas Sonela got a better run through towards the near side. 
but the two of them went hard at it to the line. She never shirked the issue. And that's about the fourth or fifth race on the spin now. Romantic proposals run really well at the Curra. Um, she she does love it. She races exclusively at at um, at the Curra, which I think is another positive. You do like horses with plenty of course and distance form in the bag. So I think she probably, without seeing the prices, they want to be. I'd also mention Teresa Mendoza, who is a course and distance winner, who also caught the eye in that race. Um, and I think there's going to be a big pot in her um, between now and the end of the season. She is a bit of a tricky madam, though. She she sometimes gets the impression that she needs to be smuggled and, and nursed into a race. And sometimes a finishing product off the bridle hasn't always been that convincing uh, without being too harsh on her. But uh, she's definitely got the talent, and as I said, I think she's she's capable of of, of showing up um, prominently. But on the on the on the evidence of what we saw here last time, I think romantic proposal will have her measure again, and I'd be prepared to back her, providing the price is okay. What kind of price would you be hoping for? Well, I'd imagine she'd be sort of second or third favourite. I would have thought. Um, you know, you'd have to stick make a challenge up there towards the top end of the market. You know, speaking colours will have his uh, have his fans as well. Um, it's going to be a wide down race. I'd imagine before five to one the field. I can't see. I don't see this race being mm. a short price favourite um, race. So, I think she'll be in and around some of those that are chalked up towards the front end in around the five to one, six to one mark. Romantic proposal there for Andy Tony. Yeah, this is becoming the most repetitive preview of all time. Yeah, oh, um, no. complete, completely <laughs> agree with this horse. I, I think she should be clear for this. Um, I, I think she's improved massively this year. Started out over five at Nice. Things kind of didn't really go away. She actually caught up a little bit making a run there with the way that the, the track railed out. And then the last day at the Cora, I thought she broke too well. The issue with Romantic Proposal is you can't hit the front with her too soon. Um, she ran in a, a Group 3 here last August and Shane Cross, um, who was riding up for the first time, in a minute, come back in a Travelling all over the field, a four long and a half down, and she just just got to the front off completely. She has to be held on until the last minute, which is the way we in Northern Road when she won the scurry last year. But uh, on, on the run behind Sunilla there, she just actually broke too well. She and Cross had to take her back. The problem was the pace wasn't overly strong. Sunilla got first run on her and she finished off really well. We know Sunilla's a good horse. I don't think she'll have any issue upholding the form with the few in behind her. Um, on that day i think there's a big field here which might actually help her price the fact that you know that there, there are a number of runners i think that also suits romantic proposal she's a really good record in 14 15 runner plus fields love that kind of thing where she can get a bit of a cover and come through the jockey change is a little bit of a concern but chris he has taken over he's a real hold up jockey he doesn't like riding horses from the front seeing castle star and horses like that so that that actually could should work out okay and Eddie Lanham is the sort of trainer that he, he basically never has two old winners. They all sort of progress with time. And I think also with horses, after getting a little bit faster with time. And I see she actually has, a, I think, a group one entry coming up. It's none top of one of those. So he's thinking she's only rated 101 at the minute, but she's, she's sort of heading that way. I think she'll definitely win a group race this year and hopefully take this listed race um, en route. Uh, I, I'd... Yeah, very much the one to beat here. The horse on the up against a few older horses that I suppose that haven't really been showing their best. The minute, like speaking colours, Harry's bar, laugh a minute. Obviously, respect make a challenge in all these races, but I think he's a little bit more of a five horse these days uh, than six. 
romantic proposal there, the handshake emoji version of a podcast there between Tony and Andy. Uh, on then to the, the second race, the 2.30, the Phillies handicap. Uh, and again, Tony, I'm not going to run through the field because we don't have the prices. We don't know who's going to be at the top end, but I'll let you give us your fancy first in case you and Andy agree. At least you get to uh, to make your case first up. Okay, fair enough. Um, I'm taking one here. I'm going to play the man a little bit here. Gerlain's horse that he's after getting from France here, um, Marbling. Um, I've watched the I've watched the the replays of this filly. I'll, I'll just talk about those in a minute. But just the case uh, on the back of the trainer angle, um, Gerlain's very good record with horses arriving to his yard on the first start from other yards. That, that's the first thing. The second thing is he very rarely keeps older horses in training that are kind of rated for handicap ratings in the 70s, 80s, 90s. He's an excellent record for older horses going in first time into handicaps. Um, he, he just seems to ditch them as three-year-olds if they're not good enough, they're sold off. So that, that's another angle um, with her. Third thing is he's an excellent record in the handicaps at this meeting. He's won a, you know, he won a couple of scurry recently. He won a, he won a couple of premier handicaps at this meeting going back in the last 10 years. But very interestingly, he won... Um, in 2016, he won with a horse called Seawolf, who was switching to him from another yard. And um, in similar ownership to this crowd, Sean Jones and, and the Gaelic Bloodstock um, operation here. And Buffer Zone as well, won a, won a good handicap at this meeting in 2019. Again, having his first start in sort of the same country. So I think this is very much a kind of a modus operandi that they, they do tend to do. Uh, the other thing is this horse is bought out of France. Um, it's should Monty Horse. Um, Gerlain's ch- trains for Gallup of Dollar or what was Gallup of Dollar. So, you know, I, I kind of think that he's not going to be sold to pop out of that operation. I, th- I think that's going to be something that, you know, he'd have a little bit of a line in there. So, yeah, so watching her starts in France, I, I think she's been quite unfortunate in terms of track position in, in, in a couple of these runs. Uh, first time she, she ran, um, I, I think it was at San Clue, she finished up racing far, hard against the Far Rail, which I don't watch any or very much racing from San Clue, but those back end races, Aidan O'Brien tends to force them, and they always seem to come to the near side. And she finished up racing on the stand stage. She was only just beaten. She looked like the best, the best affiliate to me. Then she went down and tripped, thinking on four stars, a three year old, which didn't suit her at all. Looked to find it too sharp. She hasn't run great after that. She back and break on Maiden at the back end of last year before going up to a mile and a final start. To me, she didn't really see it out. She seems to have a good record fresh. I think she's been second toward and first on a three-star fresh. She's having a first start of the year for Gerlay, and she looks like a seven-four-long fairly visually um, looking at her, at her replays. I, don't, I think the trip will actually suit her. And the final piece of the puzzle, I think, is she's got a Group 3 entry coming up in the next two or three weeks. Um, if Geraldine's isn't Aidan O'Brien or Joseph O'Brien or Donnick O'Brien, would he enter every horse in these races? It tends to be quite selective. So I think the fact that they're even thinking of a group three would say to me that she can probably be making an impact of the 86 here. So, yeah, I, I say I'm not claiming to be any expert in French form, but the sort of kind of trainer patterns here would suggest that they think this horse is well handicapped. And obviously Colin Keane has picked it out of the two from the yard. And you made a hell of a case there, Tony. I can already see myself scrolling through the results tomorrow afternoon, seeing Marbling winning and thinking, how have I forgotten to check the prices later on in the day? Because uh, that is pretty compelling there. Marbling off 86, first run for uh, for Girl Lions uh, after coming over from France. Uh, Andy? Yeah, really good uh, research there by, uh, by Tony. I, I can also back up the San Clue race that she finished down the field in. I didn't think she, <coughs> didn't she, she handled the heavy ground that day, but the winner, Lupo Nero, has won twice this season and Padron the third has, has won at listed level. So that kind of like puts an extra layer on the 
standard of horse she was running against that day at Songclo on ground that she wouldn't have liked. So um, not one that I'd, I must admit um, paid too much attention to. So that's a great pick by Tony. Um, the one that to are, win now. Exactly. It's just got to go and win. Um, <laughs> but it, look, he's made a great compelling case. Of, of the horses that I, I've sort of seen on a regular basis over in Ireland so far this season, I think more beautiful is probably just about bringing the best form into the into the table, courtesy of that fifth in, in the aforementioned Ballyogan stakes. Um, she raced hard on the speed that day, and uh, they, they kind of like it's it's one way to get a, a horse that wants further beats. They they try to ride her aggressively, thinking, well, she ran over seven now, now we've got to ride her aggressively, and sometimes is the is is not the way to go as I've as I um have found over the years. But her run behind Joan of Arc the time before at Leopardstown also stands out. Obviously Joan of Arc's gone on to win at group one level. So a uh, last two bits of bits and pieces of form in group three standard um suggest to me that she's um you're gonna find this group three company a little sorry this handicap company a little bit more um less to, less fraught. So I, I think she's probably the one I'd, I'd concentrate on the most. But I've also got a, a decent amount of respect for horse of Ken Cons called Let's, who's unlucky in a, a Cora handicap. I think it's three starts ago behind Pale Iris. Um, she then went back to the track the next day over a mile on heavy ground and she finished down the field beyond Craig Belief. But we've seen Craig Belief win at Royal Ascot. And a, mile out, a mile on heavy ground just hadn't, didn't suit her. She finally got her conditions last time out um, at Limerick uh, on good ground, and I thought she won quite com- comfortably. But I think seven fur- stiff seven furlongs on good ground, which it's likely to be tomorrow, will really suit Let's, and she's already proven over the track. So she could be one that might just slip under the radar as everyone concentrates on the sexier horses. Um, so, yeah, depending on the price, she might get my um, five or each way in that race. Let's seemingly the one there for Andy uh, in the 2.30. Move on then. We're going to skip the three races we've already done and move straight on to the next listed race, the Dubai Duty Free Celebration Stakes. Again, not many. um, I'm not going to run through the runners and riders um, without the prices there, but an interesting one uh, for Khartoum, Andy, a horse that seems to hate the the chip over the Irish Sea. Um, Very, very poor at Newmarket, then very, very poor at Ascot, but running over at Nace or the Curra seems to be a different horse. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I, I bit for him at um, Royal Ascot rather stupidly. Um, yeah, well, back jersey... to the day, though. Yeah, he was. Yeah, the, the jersey stakes was just a bit of a mess from my point of view. I, I got it all wrong and probably should have backed the winner and didn't. Uh, but anyway, that's a, that's a story for another day. Um, the two I like here, Harpocrates is a horse very much on the up. Uh, his victory at Tipperary last time has been boosted by the third insinuendo from the William McCreary stable. The time figure is very healthy. I think actually Maker of Kings has won again, the horse that he beat that day. I think he won at Leopardstown next time out under a good ride from the front. Um, but I, I, I've i also got um, a horse, another horse on my mind here um, that Tony will know quite well. Uh, four home two from the Johnny Murta stable. Johnny, Johnny, Johnny's horse have just come into the peak fitness. I've been waiting for him all season to start clicking into gear. They kind of like had a very slow start through April and May, but just when at the time when all the big prizes are being dished out, that's where Johnny seems to have come to the fore. Obviously, he got his Royal Ascot winner. He's a, he's having loads of success over in Ireland. I think he's had six winners in the last 22 days. Um, and this horse caught the eye the other day behind Magnanimous, who's de- a horse very much on the up, who, who just got first running. He quickened away because he was more handily ridden. And 
I don't think Leopardstown really suits this fella because he, he does come from off the speed. But as Tony will know, Leopardstown's a hard track to make ground up in the home straight. They get away from you there. And, and it's very rare you see something coming from that but far back. Any horse like Salamrock can make up that kind of ground, as he proved when he won on um, on Ballysacks Day. Um, but I like his profile. He ran well in a good race. It's worked out well at the Courier in the season when Johnny's horses needed the run. A mile and good ground is ideal. He's got a good draw because this race is on the round track. Um, yeah, he slots every single box I'm, I'm looking to tick here. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a big, big um, advocate here of, of four home two. Big advocate there for four home two for Andy. Uh, Tony? Yeah, I, I t- I'd, I'd agree with that. The, the, the Leperstown race that uh, Magnanimous won was was a real sprint, um, and he got he got way too way too far behind. The only thing is, he does tend to miss the break, and and this race here, I can't see any pace at all, um, which is going to work against four home too. Could work against Cinnamon. Cinnamon's far and away best performance came at Irish Champions weekend last year when they went a mad gallop in that boomerang stakes. I think it was Century Dream um, that set the pace. So it's it's a race that. Uh, I, I would lean towards four home two, and I think he might be a little bit disrespectful as the market factors in too much. Cinnamon's going to prove for the run at Leperstown. But I'm just reluctant to get too involved because I think both of those want a bit of a pace to run at, and it could develop into a little bit of a, a messy race as on the round mile here. So I'm happy enough to pass this pass this one over. Passing this one over. So we'll come straight back to you then for the, for the 5.25. Two more races to go through quickly here at the end of this uh, Cara Irish Derby Day preview. Um, the, the 5.25, the um, one-mile Dubai duty-free handicap, uh, Tony. Uh, 17 runners of stands. Yeah, good, good race, this. Uh, thought there were a few at the top that maybe didn't have much of a chance and a few at the bottom that didn't have much of a chance. So you could kind of maybe take a chance on biking something in the middle of the race that um, each way with the 17 runners, you're probably going to be getting five places. So... The ones that I was kind of looking at, I thought Bo Pedro might be able to perform a little bit better back on, on the ground. Uh, the the ground on Irish 1000 Guineas Day was, was absolutely terrible. And I'd forgive any horse a bad run there. So he ha- actually, hasn't actually run terribly, but he seemed to be really seemed to spin a bit in the really testing stuff. So I thought he had a little bit of a chance. Uh, Michael Halford trust Eagles Flight was another one that was given a little bit of a chance that they, they spent most of his career running him over 10 and 12 furlongs to cut him back to a mile the last thing he looked to really enjoy it I think he'd actually be better at the Cora I think a straight ahead track will actually shoot him better to be able to ride a race drop him out and come with a run the horse he beat reopposes but, but has won six. that that horse uh, is dream tail Toward one to give a little bit of a squeak there will be Luke Short Hasn't had things go his way. I think in the last couple of runs, he met fairly significant trouble at Leperstown on his last start. And then the run before that, he was at Cork and he was thrown on the far side, racing the far rail. I had no chance there as that race kind of unfolded. So it did be made three against the field. The price depending on Bo Pedro, Eagles Flight and Luke Short. Great stuff, Andy. You can tell that me and Tony watch a lot of Irish racing because he's pretty much um, covered everything <laughs> I was going to say here. Move um, on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think Bo Pedro is an interesting run on on several counts because I, I'm I'm quite surprised that Taron Shaman isn't running in this race. I thought Taron Shaman was hugely unlucky in that race that he knows no fear uh, scrambled home in the other day, and obviously it's the same connections as Bo Pedro. So maybe Bo Pedro's always been the the project for this race. Um, and I agree with everything he says about Bo Pedro's run last time out. Um, beyond visualization, who relished the ground. I think it was the race that Lafayette was f- favourite in. 
but it was not only was it bottomless that day, it was very, very windy and it was it was just tough going for the horse. I think they're getting buffeted all over the place. So look, he's only got beat five lengths, even though you know he's finished down the field. So he didn't run that tragically. Um so if you scrap that off his that off his dance card and concentrate on his course and distance form uh, and his form on better ground, I, I do think Bo Pedro's very much back in the mix in a race like this. Luke Shaw was absolutely desperate the other day in that race that he knows no fear one. He was trying to go out for a run up the inside. He got blocked every which way he went. Uh, he's another one who you'd certainly factor into your into your shortlist, particularly trained by Narmid. I think it's becoming more of a, a flat trainer nowadays. He's almost like the uh, Irish version of Alan King. Um, I'm still waiting for Kevin, Kevin Prendergast to click into gear. I think he's gone 60-odd mm-hmm. days without a winner. So that sort of tempers enthusiasm with regards to Alzheimer's. Who's, um, who's knocked out some good numbers on the all-weather. Um, and, and obviously, Eagles Flight has got to be mentioned as well. So it's a, it's a, it's a trappy old race, but yeah, Bo Pedro, of those ones we mentioned, I'd be interested to see what, how bookmakers price him up because um, they might just think, oh, you know, he's run badly last time out, and I think that probably might be wrong with that. Bo Pedro there for getting a, a double thumbs up from uh, from Andy and Tony. On to the last, the two-mile handicap, Andy. Yeah. Um, I was getting ready to um, line up uh, quite a few of my chips for Arcade in Sunrise. Um, had that horse uh, come over to, to contest the Ascot Stakes. I think it. I think he got balloted out. I think he actually missed the cook because it was just too low. He rated eighty nine. He didn't get in in the end. Uh, I'm not sure whether that's the absolute definite case, but um, I'll stand to be corrected on that. But um, he was hugely impressive over jumps the day before at um, Punchestown, and the time figure got. For him that day when he won at the County Kildare track was very, very healthy. Um, and his flat form's not too shabby either. Um, he ran in one of those um, uh, um, conditions races um, at Listowel behind Mount Leinster um, the, the season before. And I thought he ran quite well that day. As we know, Mount Leinster's a healthy 100-rated horse on the flat. He then beat Ilm- Ilmig the next day very easily, and he's, he's now back number. And as I said, his last two runs over hurdles have been very commendable beyond Jazz away. And then he won the next day at the same track. So off a mark of 89, I think compensation awaits for Arcade in Sunrise. I see him being a very strongly back favourite. I can't believe he won't be chalked up five in the last. Arcade in Sunrise, sure to be fav, and rightly so, according to Andy. Last one here then, uh, Tony, who do you fancy in the last? Yeah, well, again, I would agree with an awful lot. There's races every season where categories of races where you don't maybe take much interest. Two male handicaps are probably kind of mine. I don't know what this season's done. I seem to be getting them wrong or not taking much interest in them, but I'm a massive fan of this horse. I think this horse is a Galway Hordle horse. Um, and if that's the case, he really should be going close in it, which looks quite a moderate race and off 89. Um, I actually think it's a plus that he didn't go to Ascot. I think he's quite fast for a hurdler stroke to stay in handicap. I think two and a half miles around there might have stretched him a bit. Although, the Ascot Stakes this year wasn't that strongly run. I think it's a much softer race. Yeah, it's hard to see him anything other than a short price favourite. And he really would deserve to be a short price favourite. I think he could be um, a cut above. Just to mention the top horse there, Shoshone Warrior. Um, he has a quite a good record on good ground. The only alarm bells I would have with him is that he was bought out of Aidan Brains to go to Joseph's for only 30000 which is very cheap for a horse that's rated 100 um, and could potentially be a horse that could have went to Australia. So I wonder is there some sort of a physical issue there with him because he would look cheap at the price. But yeah, John Quayley's horse 
by far and away the most likely winner of this one. Great stuff. I agree again. Plenty of occasions where that's been the case here. Hopefully that means plenty of bets that we've flagged up. Hopefully some value as well when the prices do come out too. Thank you very much to both Tony and for Andy for joining us today and sharing their insights. If you want plenty more previews, uh, do subscribe to the Odds Checker YouTube channel. You can find all sorts of things up there, not just racing as well, all other sports too. And you can find all of it as well on any podcast platform, the Odds Checker betting show podcast as well. Do download the Odds Checker app for the best prices, best place terms, bookie offers, free bets and everything else as well. Do check out both tipping columns of the experts today. Plenty up there, not just over the course of uh, the weekend, but every day of racing as well too. Hopefully we've given you some value. Please do enjoy the racing and please gamble responsibly. Mm -hmm.